Hey y'all, Eve's here. We're doubling up today with two events in history. On with the show. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was June 30th, 1908. Around 7.14 in the morning, in the atmosphere above Siberia's Pakamanaya Tunguska River, an explosion occurred. The ground shook. Millions of trees were flattened. Reindeer were killed. Windows shattered. Villagers in the area said they saw smoke and flashes of light. There are no pictures of the explosion, which came to be known as the Tunguska event. But scientists have theorized about what caused the blast. The Tunguska region is a remote area of the Russian taiga, so there were no official reports of people dying from the explosion, though one hunter reportedly died after he was flung against a tree. The explosion happened at an altitude of about three to six miles, or five to 10 kilometers. It's estimated to have exploded with hundreds of times the force of the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, though some estimates are way higher and some are lower. Such estimates are hard to get right since there was no actual impact crater. The blast killed hundreds of reindeer, knocked down about 80 million trees over about 800 square miles, and affected towns more than 35 miles from the event site. It was visible from hundreds of miles away, and places in Siberia and Europe had bright nighttime skies for a while after the explosion. Meteorological stations in Europe even recorded seismic and atmospheric waves. But authorities did not immediately go to the site of the event to figure out what happened. Though newspapers reported a potential impact or explosion, Tunguska was not easily accessible, and the political climate of Russia was unstable. Russian mineralogist Leonid Kulik interviewed local eyewitnesses in 1921. People who witnessed the event said they saw a fireball that caused the ground to tremble, hot winds to blow people over, and loud noises that sound like guns firing. It wasn't until 1927 when a team led by Leonid Kulik traveled to the site to investigate. They found a large area of flattened trees with some bare charred trees still standing at the epicenter of the explosion. They did not find a large crater or remnants of a meteor, but they suggested that a meteor had exploded in the atmosphere anyway. They explained the lack of a crater by saying that the ground was too soft and swampy to preserve an impact crater and that any debris was buried. In 1934, Soviet scientists proposed that the extraterrestrial body that blew up in the atmosphere was instead a comet. Since comets are made up of ice rather than rock, it would have vaporized when it hit the Earth. Later, more theories cropped up. An engineer and writer said it could have been the result of an extraterrestrial nuclear explosion. In 1973, physicists suggested that a black hole had collided with Earth. Others suggested nearby Lake Cheka formed after the impact, though this idea was mostly rejected. And yes, some have proposed that aliens caused the explosion when a spaceship exploded in the air while heading to Lake Baikal for its fresh water. 
But in 2013, a team of Ukrainian, German, and American scientists analyzed rocks collected from the site earlier and found that they were of meteoric origin. But that still was not a definitive answer to the mystery, because meteor showers are not uncommon. Though debate over the cause of the explosion continues, the consensus is that a meteor or comet collided with substances in Earth's atmosphere and exploded. It's thought that the cosmic body was broken into smaller pieces as it approached the Earth's surface, and any remnants that entered Earth's atmosphere may have been turned into dust. The explosion is considered the largest impact event to happen over land in the recorded history of Earth, even though there was no actual impact. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at T-D-I-H-C podcast. If you haven't yet listened to a new show that I host called The Popular, you can get it anywhere you get this day in history class. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey y'all, it's Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast for people who can never know enough about history. And it's a super special episode today because it's the last new episode that I'll be hosting. We will still continue to run episodes from the vault and you'll still hear my voice for this reason. You'll also hear Tracy V. Wilson's voice who previously hosted the show. That said, it's been a joy being immersed in so much history and getting to share it with you, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope that you'll all continue to return to the show, to learn about anything you may have missed, or to give your favorite episodes a second listen. Now, on with the show. The day was June 30th, 1972. At 11.59 p.m. and 60 seconds, a leap second was added to coordinated universal time to synchronize clocks with Earth's decelerating rotation. The second has been defined many different ways over the years. At one point, it was defined as 186,400th of the mean solar day. But a more precise measurement was needed because the length of a day varies depending on many factors, like seasonal and daily weather variations, as well as oceanic and atmospheric tides. By 1967, the second was defined as, and I quote, the duration of 9,192,631,770 periods of the radiation corresponding to the transition between the two hyperfine levels of the ground state of the cesium-133 atom. This was the measurement that the International System of Units, or SI, used. Since then, the wording of the official definition has been updated slightly. Atomic clocks keep time with extreme precision. On atomic clocks, a day is exactly 86,400 SI seconds. International atomic time is a time scale that is computed by taking the weighted average of more than 400 atomic clocks around the world. It's not connected to any astronomical observations. Universal time, on the other hand, is a time standard that is based on Earth's rotation and astronomical observations. Coordinated universal time, or UTC, is under the umbrella of universal time, which also includes UT0, UT1, UT1R, and UT2. 
Unlike other versions of universal time, UTC is determined by international atomic time. Though the practice of UTC was already being coordinated internationally, the International Astronomical Union didn't adopt the name Coordinated Universal Time until 1967. Coordinated Universal Time is the primary standard by which the world regulates time. But Earth's rotation, as measured by UT1, is gradually slowing, so that the length of a rotational day is about 2 milliseconds longer than the 86,400 seconds it was two centuries ago. That means that there is a discrepancy between UTC and UT1. Scientists determined that UTC would have to be adjusted to account for the difference between the definition of the second and Earth's rotation. This keeps UTC in line with the apparent position of the sun and stars. In other words, a second would need to be added to or removed from clocks to realign them with Earth's rotation occasionally. Scientists specified that UTC should not deviate more than nine-tenths of a second from UT1. So on June 30th, 1972, the first leap second was added to UTC. The International Earth Rotation and Reference Systems Service decides when to add a leap second. One is typically added either on June 30th or December 31st. From 1972 to 1999, leap seconds were added at a rate of about one per year. After that, they've been added less frequently. There have been 27 leap seconds since 1972. The most recent leap second was added on December 31st, 2016. Many people have called for the elimination of leap seconds and the replacement of UTC with a new system. Leap seconds have caused problems for some computer systems, since they're not that predictable and can't be anticipated far in advance. And they'll need to be added more frequently as Earth's rotation continues to slow down. Some people who support abolishing leap seconds argue that it doesn't matter whether our perception of time changes along with the rotation of Earth, since that would happen over a long time anyway. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. You can also hit us up on social media. We're at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Also, a shout out to the extraordinary producers of this show, Alexis and Chandler, who y'all never get to hear, but are a huge part of why you love the show and are still listening to it. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.